0: This is Growth Decoded to Go, a podcast from a show that helps you grow your business by figuring out the customer experience, one piece at a time. We do this to share our findings with you, wherever you are. Because this podcast is only the audio portion of the show, there might be some references to visuals, but don't fret, because we've included links to the video version of the show in the podcast description. All right, let's get into it.
1: No, I know, but I miss him too. But he'll be back next show. It's, don't, don't worry about it. It'll be fine. Hello. For those of you returning, you're probably wondering where Ernie is and who I am. He was under the weather on the day of the week that we filmed this part of the show, so I, Danny McCarthy, the show's director and producer, am filling in. Because of this, we are doing a bit of a different format for the show, but with this episode being about digital events and webinars and me being the director of this digital event, I thought this would be a good opportunity to give a bit of behind the scenes for the show. The way we produce this show is to talk with our guest or guests, and then we write and film the segments after that. This allows us to base our insights and plan our segments around what we learn in those interviews. And then Ernie hops in front of the camera and we film those segments. Clearly, this isn't a foolproof plan. But, because we have that interview, we are able to present it to you, albeit in this different format. We really wanted to make sure that we showed up for you all to talk about this topic as you have shown up for us. A topic that is near and dear to our hearts here at Growth Decoded, seeing as we are this topic. So, shortly I will get out of your digital hair and we can watch the interview with Brianna Haig, the Director of Demand Generation at Hopin, an all-in-one event management platform. It's a great interview. And to wrap up the show, we will get some insights on common mistakes that are made when producing digital events and webinars from Ashley Levesque, the VP of Marketing for Bonsai Demio, the platform we use for this show. But before we get to those, we have recently put some additional energy into our YouTube channel and we would love for you to check it out. And if you want to stay up to date on the new content we are putting out, feel free to subscribe. I gotta ask. Now that I am done shamelessly promoting another area of our work, let's watch that interview with Ernie and Brianna.
0: And now I am joined by Brianna Hay of Hopin. Brianna, thank you for being on Growth Decoded. How are you today?
2: I'm great. I'm excited to be here.
0: Yes, we, we're very excited to have you. Um, I would love to just start off, if you could introduce yourself and, and give us a little introduction to, to Hopin.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm the director of demand generation at Hopin. I was actually the third person to join the marketing team a little bit over a year ago. And now we have a team of almost 50 marketers that are a part of a part of Hopin, um, which is crazy growth within the last year. But I, I had up our field marketing demand gen um, and that includes our webinar programs. So Hopin Hopin was founded in 2019. We're very new on the scene when it comes to events. We were initially founded as a virtual events company and fast forward two years, we're so much more than that, thanks to multiple rounds of funding and multiple acquisitions that we've been fortunate to have over the course of the last couple of years. We're now an all-in-one platform that services virtual hybrid as well as onsite events. So um, an it's, it's been an exciting ride. It's been a lot of growth and um, we're really excited about the, the multi-product offering that we're able to offer for event organizers that are uh, looking for an all-in-one solution.
0: Awesome. Yeah, that is some wild, some wild growth and expansion. That's great to hear that um, Hopin is doing so well. Love to hear that. Congrats on that. And you are the perfect person to be talking to for this, uh, this episode, which is focused on webinars and digital events. So if we could kind of get into it, um, you had mentioned just three things right there, right? Virtual, hybrid, and live in-person events. So if we're thinking about it from like a webinar a virtual event standpoint, there's also some formats within those as well. So uh, I kind of want to like get into, you know, a lot of people think that it's just like you hear a webinar and you have a very clear picture in your mind of what it is, but what are, what are some like different formats that you might use for a virtual event or a, a webinar?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I think that we um, at Hopin have really kind of steered clear of the term webinar, even though we definitely do webinar type events, we like to call them virtual events because we feel like there can be so much more to an experience that you create online than, um, what kind of maybe the like typical, um, standard webinar format might look like. Sure. Um, I actually wrote a blog post about a year ago on how webinars can be so much more when you kind of turn them into an event and an experience where you try to really focus on engagement and um, you know the different things that you can do online other than people just kind of logging in and listening to someone speak. Um, you know, there's there's kind of a standard format of webinars where you have. Um, presenters, whether it be two people having a conversation or a panel of folks that are presenting and maybe there's a deck that they're presenting off of and people, they, they participate by listening um, and they watch and there's limited engagement where maybe they'll ask questions at the end and then the moderator will field those questions and ask those of the speakers. Um, what I love about the Hopin platform and how we do our virtual events and webinar type programs is there's a lot more engagement that's included because we have a chat and we have different areas of our virtual venue that we put together where guests can engage with each other and network and um, have a little bit more of a um, kind of engaging, exciting experience. Um, but we do we do reg- regular programs where we have different types of formats with speakers. So we'll do fireside chats. We'll do panel conversations. And we like to try to engage the audience as much as possible through Q&A and um, finding creative ways to get people excited about um, the engagement aspect of it. And all of our, all of our programs, we really think through engagement. That's something that's big at Hopin that we think is really important to create an event experience that people talk about after and are excited to share, um, you know, with their friends after the fact. And I think that that's something that we really um, try to kind of focus on when we choose what format we take when we look at our webinar programs.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Engagement is certainly uh, key. I mean, otherwise it's kind of just a group of people that are together watching a video at the same time. It's almost like, a movie theater, but I don't know. Some, there's something there where it's just kind of like strange if you're not, you know, if you're not engaged, it sort of takes away from the actual aspect of the virtual event. So yeah, and you can
2: watch it at any time. You could watch it on demand. And that um, you know, isn't doesn't incentivize someone to actually show up at the time of the event and, and participate.
0: Right. Absolutely. So we we've kind of The way that this show works, you know, some of it is pre-recorded and some of it is live and it's kind of a mixture between those two. And you could certainly do that for for virtual events as well. So uh, I'm kind of thinking here, like, is there a is there a benefit or a reason why you might do something live versus do something pre-recorded?
2: Yeah, I think it's really great to have a mix and it depends on the specific event that you're doing, what that mix looks like. When we have, we have two webinar programs that are consistent on a monthly cadence, our customer spotlight series that features three, three to four speakers that um, have really interesting stories to share based off of whatever that month's topic is, and then we also do a regular product innovation series where we feature new products that Hopin has just released and um, some exciting kind of um, things related to it that we release at these events. And for both of those programs, we always do it live. We don't have um, as much pre-recorded content as we have for some of our other programs. Um, I think it's it's interesting when you kind of f- find a good mix where. Um, The pre-recorded kind of complements the live and Sometimes you know if you have something that's really cool that you want to in- include, but the only way to do it is to pre-record based off of maybe the speaker's availability or kind of nuances related to how you're going to get that content. Or if you, especially if you want to edit it, that makes sense. But I do think that people really like live content and like being able to engage real time. So anytime we have an opportunity for guests to um, do a live Q and A, that's something that we take into consideration. But I, li- I like having a mix. I mean, I think I think that there's a time and a place for doing certain things pre-recorded versus live, and it just a matter of kind of assessing um, what event experience you're putting together and what makes the most sense for you.
0: Yeah, definitely. There's actually sort of like an inside joke that we've kind of uncovered this season of the show where uh, it's just the phrase, it depends. And so it's sort of like, do you want to do it live? Do you want to do it automated? Do you want to do this format? Do you want to do that format? Well, it kind of depends on the content and a whole number of factors. So if we're thinking about it like that, is there um, questions you could ask or rules of thumb that you might look at to determine, you know, okay, this is the content or this is the topic and and here's what kind of webinar we should create or what might be more conducive for that content?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think that we we usually try to do things live when we can. Um, I think that For example, we had a couple, um, product innovation series webinars where our product managers were only available at a certain time and they had to pre-record in advance. Um, and one of them was a little, it was her first time doing it and she wanted to, um, you know, have a couple, a couple goes at it and, you know, to get comfortable with the, um, with doing, leading the presentation. So that made more sense to pre-record, Um, something that we found actually was (laughs) the way that we were pre-recording a couple of the pieces for that particular series, the quality looked great when we looked at the recording, but when it was actually aired and, and streamed, the quality had diminished a little bit. So we actually realized Streamyard is one of our products. Recording on Streamyard gave a much higher quality than whatever the team was doing before. I think it was um, we love using Loom to to record videos and share and share things internally. But um, for the context of doing a presentation and having a webinar where you're actually going through um, specifics around a product and showing where things are located, um, that quality was really really important. So even when we're mm. pre-recording, we really think about power recording it to make sure that when it's streamed and when um the live event's happening, you know, that that's really important to make sure that quality is there because the chat was firing up with people saying, I, I don't know if I can see this. Can everyone else see it? And um that was feedback that we got that we that was a big learning for us because you know everything that you're doing at a live event, you have to think about what that experience is going to look like when it's happening real time. Um, something that's hard about pre-recorded is if something like that goes wrong, you can't fix it on the fly because it's Content that's already you know been put together, um, versus with when, with a live conversation, maybe that's something that you can you know adjust and fix real time. Sometimes we'll get feedback in the chat about something that's not working for someone or a suggestion that they have, and then we're able to um, pivot real time, which is kind of nice. Um, but yeah, I think that I think that we we usually try to do do things live as much as possible, and then you know sprinkle it with the pre-record stuff you know as necessary.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Kind of use that live like that's sort of the ideal state if everything goes right because of the engagement, because of the audience interaction. And, and you're 100% right. I mean, that is a huge piece of the, the customer experience or the experience of the viewer and how engaged they're going to be. So if we're thinking about you know the content, the actual what you're talking about in the webinar, how do you determine if the content that you have would work in a webinar are there ever instances where you say you know like this is good content but maybe it's not it's not webinar content it's or i'm sorry virtual event content or you know whatever the case may be how do, how do you sort of differentiate between yes this is good or no this this might be best used in another format
2: yeah, I mean, I think that we we love to get feedback from our attendees from events. So we've actually done post-event surveys where we found out that, um, you know, there's other topics that they'd be more interested in learning from. And we try to get, um, we try to get inspiration for the themes and the focus of our um, webinar programs and, and virtual events from the people that are likely going to be attending, Um And it's also reflective in how many people sign up and how many people show up. I think that that's also, it's interesting to see, you know, for example, we had a webinar program that was specific to our Hopin integrations and the new integrations that people can use for their events to make them interactive and, um, you know, kind of add add to whatever they're putting together on Hopin. And that was so well attended that we're now going to do another integrations focused event just because that was content that really landed and resonated. And that was reflective in the number of people that signed up and showed up. I think that there's, um, you know, so many opportunities to have great content and, um, you know, get feedback on whether or not it's something that's going to land. But I think at the end of the day, um, we found that it's um, pretty clear when something lands based off of how many people show up for
0: it. Sure. So, so for thinking, there there might be a lot of people who are watching that have never created a virtual event, have never hosted or produced or coordinated a webinar before. So, if they're looking to get started, it can seem kind of daunting because it can look, I mean, you can make it look amazing and professional and it sort of looks, you know, very involved and very intensive. Um, for people who might be afraid or looking to get started, do you have any words of advice or, or anything there around setting the record straight about, you know, is it simple to create a digital event or a virtual event or, or you know, what what's the best advice for getting started?
2: Yeah. It's um, creating a virtual event is different than creating an in-person event. I think a lot of us found that out. (laughs) We're thrown into it overnight in the year that was 2020. Um, And also even, you know, with hybrid events, that's a new thing that people are, you know, talking about a lot now. And with a hybrid event, you're really, truly thinking about two completely different experiences. that are happening simultaneously because virtual events are completely different than anything that you would do in person. Um, So that means it's a different approach. It's it's a different way of planning. We actually have some resources that we just published on our website that um, are briefs and templates for uh, the planning stage of your virtual events. So when you're putting together your budget, you're putting together your um, event brief. We also have a run of show guide that's easy to customize and use for your own Virtual or hybrid event, um, which is also really helpful. I think it's it's always interesting seeing the behind the scenes of a virtual um, or webinar style event, and you know usually there's a couple screens and there's multiple tabs, and you have your you know your spreadsheet of the order everything's going to be happening in, and when the animation's going to go, and the the countdown's going to begin, and. Um, we we're pretty meticulous about the organization and the details around the event and then replicating that for future programs to make it really easy and scalable so with all of our programs we kind of have at this point and this is part of like the template and the brief that we put together to share with other organizers that are looking you know for where to start we um we have a you know a timeline where we work backwards and we say okay this is the event date and then that means that we need to start planning at this date and secure our speakers and the first email is going to be sent On this date and so we'll know that we need to get all of the details together by then in order to launch and some of the things we keep in mind when we're putting together an event and looking to attract the right audience to attend we think of you know who are the speakers what stories do they have to share why is it compelling um what what brands are going to be you know interesting for people to hear from we just did a, a really cool event specific for the nonprofit community and how they've done really interesting things in terms of engagement. So we found perspectives that um, were able to speak to different types of engagement the nonprofits do. So, you know, things that they did from a fundraising point of view, and then also engaging their communities. So we usually try to think of, you know, when we're doing a panel event, or we have a fireside chat, what would be a draw? What would be interesting for our audience? And then how are we going to market that? We want to make sure that we always have assets that the team can share on LinkedIn. We'll we'll send an email to promote the event. But I think the first step in the planning phase is really thinking through, okay, in order to attract the people that we want to attend our event, what is going to be compelling? What um, content, what event title, what are all the things that we're going to be putting on that registration page where people will make the decision of whether or not they want to sign up? And how is that going to be attractive for someone to take time out of their busy day to join us?
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's all about finding that angle, right. Identifying, you know, what, what is the content? What's cool about the content, the benefit of it, and then how do we convey or communicate that benefit to the people who need to see it? Um, yeah, definitely agree there. So if we, if we want to stick on this, um, promotion or, or marketing aspect of a, a virtual event. Do you have, I know you just mentioned, you know, social assets, image assets, um, and, and emailing and things like that, but are there best practices in terms of like a cadence or how much you would promote or where you would promote to, do, do you have any you know advice or anything there?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think that people have a tendency to sign up last minute. And so you're constantly thinking about how do we, um, combat that and try to get people to sign up earlier, just so we have a better sense of who's coming and, um, you know, encourage people to register in advance. We will typically, we typically really find that email is kind of our most effective channel when it comes to people signing up for events and something that's really nice about a virtual event is your reach is expanded because you're not limited by location. Mm. So more people are likely going to be able to join you for, um, an event that you're doing online versus something that you're doing in person, which really gives you, um, a great opportunity to reach more people. But we found that complementing our emails with, um, enabling our team with invitation copies so they can make sure that all of our customers know about the event and anyone that they're in touch with, um, on behalf of Hopin, you know, we make sure that people have the information on the event so they can include it in their email signature or make sure to plug it in any communication that they already have, um, going on. We also find that the, um, speakers, it's really great when they share that they're a part of the event and, um, we give them the assets and the, the copy to make that super easy. And, um, I think that, that it's, it's interesting also with some of our programs, we've had really great partners. And so partnering on a webinar can be a really great way to expand your reach and get in front of fresh faces. And, um, we've had some really great partnerships where, you know, we kind of have similar audience that's aligned. And so we're able to reach their audience. They're able to reach ours because we're co-planning and co-promoting it together.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And if (laughs) I could definitely agree with you on the, the, people have a tendency to sign up last minute, as well as email being a, a huge channel for registration. Um, definitely see the the same things over at Active Campaign. So if we fast forward a little bit in the process, you know, if you're someone who's going to attend, right, you get to the registration page, you sign up. I want to talk about the, the actual registration and the reminder process, because this is something that I feel like it can be a missed opportunity if you don't if you don't make the most of it. So, like you said, you know, people have a tendency to sign up last minute. There is a push to get people to sign up with some time before that. So there's the reminder emails, there's follow-up emails. Do you have you know best practices as far as what you've seen that works as for communication from you know point of registration to when the virtual event is to even after?
2: I think over-communication is key because in addition to signing up last minute, people have a tendency to get busy and maybe forget if they don't have it in front of them. We actually, with Hopin, we have an automatic email unless you adjust it. And we always encourage people to customize their emails and um, add more details and, um, you know, leverage our our email tools and in other ways other than what the default is. But we actually have a default um, 60 minutes before the event just saying, hey, reminder, you know, the event's going to start in an hour. And I don't like for an in-person event, you wouldn't say the event's starting in an hour because hopefully they're either on their way or, you know, already planning on coming. But, um, just those extra reminders, I think can be really helpful. We've even, sometimes we'll add another email about 10 minutes before just saying the doors are about to open the, you know, virtual doors. <laughs> right. Um, so make sure you head over to, you know, the link, here's the link and just making it all very, very handy and kind of, um continuing to reinforce where to go with a hop in event. You can choose at what time your quote unquote doors open. Someone will land on the reception page. And there's actually a chat where, even when you sign up for the event two weeks in advance, you can engage in the chat. And it's really neat. Sometimes seeing people say, I'm gonna be joining from Australia or you know, can't wait to learn about X, Y, Z. And it's, it's neat seeing that engagement happen in advance of the event, but mm. you can't go anywhere else until the doors open. And the default with Hopin is five minutes before the event start, but you could have this be a half hour before the event start. If you wanna encourage people to network prior to the event or check out the expo, if you have resources that are in the expo area that people can um, digest in advance of the actual show starting. But then at, um, at time, you know, you encourage everyone to go to, let's say the stage where you have your live stream set up and that's when everything begins. We, um, try to over communicate anything related to when to show up and all of the different things that you can check out either before or after the event, a few times in advance. I think that reminders are just always helpful. So we, we typically send a few, um, Sometimes if there's if there's information that we need to collect from someone in advance, like, you know, questions for the speakers or, you know, anything like that, we'll send, um, you know, an extra, an extra email communication, which also serves as a reminder, but, um, you know, gives them some sort of information in advance as well.
0: Yeah, definitely. Def- yeah, overcommunication is huge. Again, you know, like people get busy. We know that. I mean, if the last year and a half is anything to to show for that especially working remotely, you know, things come up all the time, whether it's something that's at home or something that's at work. And it, when they're combined, it's like the, the opportunities for distraction are exponentially increased. So if we're thinking about, you know, the, the event happens, right? People have attended. Now what happens? Um, you know, at Active Campaign, we send a follow-up. We typically send a recording, maybe some resources, the slides. Do you have any best practices to, to make the most of that follow-up email?
2: Yeah, I think the the earlier you can get your recording ready to go, the better because people are, if you have a great event, oftentimes very eager to receive it. We sometimes have people email immediately asking for the recording and we're like, we wish we could give it to you immediately. We just need to do a couple edits and then we'll we'll get it in your hands. So we actually have um, some extra resources that we added to the team just to make sure that we can have the recording ready to go in a timely manner. Um, We typically send the follow-up email the day after, um, unless we're somehow able to pull it together and get everything ready to go for later that day. Um, but we have, we have a new feature with Hopin with our product called hop replay, where you can actually go back to the event and see the recording for your stages there within the event. Mm. Um, we always put our recordings up on our YouTube page. And so what we will do is, um, take the recording of the event put, put some edited intro outro, um, you know, animations, and then we'll, we'll put it on our ET page and then, and then share it after the fact with our guests.
0: Awesome. Definitely. You got to make it available though. Right. Um, to, to whomever attended, are they available, you know, on demand as well? Do you, do you use that? Yeah.
2: Yeah, we have. So, and actually for a couple events, we have some events that were, um, a little bit bigger than just our typical more regular webinar programs a couple of virtual events where we had multiple speakers and panel conversations and for those we actually put together a landing page that had all of the videos um separated out as well as one of the entire event
3: mm-hmm. and
2: it had you know information on the speakers and it was it was really pretty well designed landing page that we put together that was on demand and then for some events i know for an event that we did recently called event minded it was an event centered around um, why mental health is so important for event professionals. And we had Simone Biles speak, which was really amazing. And Adam Grant, we actually had some speaker contracts that specified we could actually only have the content on demand for um, 30 days after the fact. So sometimes you'll find um, when you have talent that you book for the event that you're organizing, there might be some sort of restriction around how long you can have that content available. But um, if, unless there's some sort of uh, restriction that we have, for the longevity of the on-demand content, we try to have a landing page that's up that has all of the information so the team can use it after the fact if someone wants to check out. We had an event called Illuminate in uh, July of this year on July 7th, and it was our first hybrid event. We had 40 people that were on site and then a global audience um, of thousands of people that tuned in, and we have all of those videos from that event on a landing page that we're able to share all the time with customers that have questions on how you do a hybrid event and what best practices we found and that we found that that's a really great resource for folks. So, and obviously creating a landing page and having all the videos and all of that takes time. So we, we think, we think ahead and now we found as a part of our planning process, we need to get that landing page built and everything kind of ready to go before the event even starts. So then as soon as we're able to get our hands on those videos, we can just plug them in and then we'll be able to follow up in a timely manner.
0: Awesome. I love all of that, especially, you know, using the content after the fact, like you said, to answer questions or just get more mileage out of that content, because it is it's very, you know, uh, there might be a misconception about you have a virtual event, certainly an in-person event. You're either there or you're not. And for a long time, they weren't recorded and distributed afterwards. But I think now with, you know, the pandemic and, and whatnot, with webinars, virtual events rising in popularity, there is that ability that it's like, hey, we have this 40 minute video about this specific topic. Let's break it up. Let's use it in you know future content and, and whatnot there. So love that point. Um, if we're thinking about some like misses or common mistakes that you might see when it comes to to virtual events or webinars, what what comes to mind for you?
2: I think that a common mistake that we certainly made ourselves when we started doing virtual events, just as a marketing team at Hopin um, in the beginning, is you you really need to think through your production. And sometimes there's an investment that. Um, is important that you need to make you have you have to think through a totally different set of skills than if you were doing something in person and if you're doing a webinar where you're just you just have a powerpoint and you have a couple speakers like that's pretty easy but if you want to have some engaging content and have animation and um, have really great production and video. Video is really, really key right now when it comes to virtual events and there's so much you can do with it. Mm-hmm. So we've had, we've definitely done our own events where we have worked with agencies that also, you know, are clients of ours and, and recommend hop into their clients. But we've we've had agencies that have worked with us on some of the production when it comes to our events. And we found that that's really key because people expect um, a certain quality now. They're, they expect really great video. They expect something where, you know, they can learn something, but it's almost like the, everyone stepped up their game when it comes to these virtual events, um, because that was the way people were doing events for so long. And, um, we found that, that there's just a lot of nuances that come with that. It's important to have someone that has, you know, video production experience and you, you know, need to be familiar with how to stream your content. And, Um, We found that something that I am obsessed with is the product StreamYard. We acquired StreamYard in January of uh, 2021, and it's now a part of the Native Hopin platform. And it's really cool, all of the things that you can do, being someone that maybe doesn't have a ton of production experience um, when it comes to the, um, you know, how your stream goes through and the branding that you're able to incorporate. And we now have... um, if you if you have people that are that are in the chat during your hop event that are making comments that you think are particularly interesting, you can actually add it to your feed now as a part of Streamyard. So something I love about that is if someone says something you know interesting in the chat, you can throw it on um, the lower thirds of your stream. If someone's watching the event after the fact, they almost feel like they're a little bit more engaged now because they can see some of the things that people were commenting on real time in the chat, whereas the chat would have been lost. The live chat isn't a part of, you know, the pre-recorded um or sorry, the, the recorded on demand video that you're that you're viewing after the fact. Right. So I think that that's really cool.
0: Yeah, that's that almost, I mean so often you see like a recording and it's like, Oh, I'm seeing a lot of, you know, XYZ in the chat or pointing out somebody's comment or somebody's question. But if you could actually pull that up onto the screen, yeah, I can that I'm sure that does wonders for engagement, you know, for people who didn't attend live. Um, Awesome. So as we kind of come to a close here, are there any final words of advice, best practices, you know, things that were like maybe aha moments for you as you've kind of gone through and, and had experience creating, producing, coordinating these events, anything that stands out to you as, you know, something that you wish you knew sooner,
2: I think that, I think there's so much opportunity to do cool stuff with virtual events now. And I love, like, I know it's a good hop in event, whether it's a company meeting that we have internally, we we actually love our all hands meetings every Friday because they're so fun. Um, But you can tell the vibe in the chat. If people are, if people are engaged, if people are saying, wow, this is awesome. And I'm so excited to be here. And you know, whatever it is that they're saying, you can, you can really tell if you're doing something that's landing and you know we really think through like every, every every event we have kind of a 2 minute period where there's music playing or we have a video or there's something fun to kind of bring up the energy which i think is really important because that sets the tone for your entire event and um you know we really think through like the animation transitions when you're going from the welcome to the panel conversation you know maybe to another speaker to a q and a um one of the first big events that i did at hopin um back when our team was far less resourced. (laughs) There's a lot of learnings, but we had about 10,000 people that registered. And it was, um, at the beginning of February, February 3rd of 2021. And we had, um, a DJ, a virtual DJ, her name's DJ Asha. And she was actually recommended to me from a friend that worked at box. And she did all of Box's events, both in person and then, and then virtual at that point, she was amazing. And she was like the, it was people, people gave great feedback on the whole event, but she kept coming up as something that people really enjoyed, and I think those first like two to three minutes that you have to set the tone and energy and vibe for your event, having something like a DJ or a video or something that's exciting that can get people excited to be there, I think is a really great um, period of time and opportunity to take advantage of. I know for our company meetings, the the vibe team—that's the name of our <laughs> internal culture and events team. I love um, that. <laughs> it's great. That's it's awesome. Great. They put a lot of thought into the playlist and what song they choose every single Friday to get people excited to be there. And you see the chat firing up, you see people getting excited about it. And I just think that 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 first few minutes is really important just to make sure that you nail it and you do something interesting or fun or somewhat engaging that really helps set the tone. It's not, this isn't a boring webinar. This is a virtual event and it's exciting and we're happy to be here.
0: Love it. You know, make the most of those first few, few minutes. How can you hook them? How can you create the energy? That's awesome.
1: Well, we do all those things perfectly. Just joking. We learned a lot. Thanks so much to Brianna for amazing insights. And thank you all for coming and sticking around. And let's thank Ernie. And of course my co-producer Plantasia. Now, as promised, to close out our show, here are some insights from Ashley Levesque on where folks go wrong when doing digital events. Thanks, guys.
3: Hey, everybody, it's Ashley Levesque. I'm the VP of Marketing at Bonsai, and we have thousands and thousands of customers running awesome webinars every single day. And I want to focus today on telling you all of the ways that are not successful in running webinars, because there are a lot of ways to screw up your webinar. And we have learned a ton about ways to screw it up. So let me share some of those with you right now. Number one things not to do. Number one, a lot of people are not setting webinar goals. This is a huge miss. Your webinar has to have a webinar goal and your webinar goal should be tied to a higher level business goal. For example, let's say you have a high level objective to penetrate a new market or a new vertical. A webinar goal that supports that might be to acquire email addresses, or newsletter subscribers, or uh, sales demos from that new vertical, right? That is an example of a webinar goal. Before you begin creating content, before you do anything else, you need to make sure you have a goal. And that goal has to have metrics. You have to understand what are the key uh, KPIs that I'm going to be tracking to help me know if I hit my goal or not. Does my platform calculate those for me? Do I need to do some math? Are these pushing into my CRM? How am I gonna know what success looks like for this webinar? That is the number one thing where we see people fall down is they don't understand what event success looks like. So don't be that person. Definitely, definitely do that. Okay, the second thing is we are seeing a lot of folks who are focusing exclusively on themselves instead of focusing on their customers when it comes to their content or their prospects or whoever it is that they're they're talking to on their webinar. So here's an example of what that looks like. As a reminder for all of us, in case we've forgotten, uh, people buy from people and the key driver of sales is emotion. So your webinar needs to bring people on an emotional journey, an emotional arc that brings them closer to their desired outcome. So let me give you an example. If you are uh, selling something like uh, car batteries, right? Um, What you're actually selling is probably a sense of confidence, uh, or maybe even relief for people who are experiencing car troubles, right? Um, Or maybe uh, if you're selling, um, you know, home security system, what you're actually selling is a desired outcome of feeling safe. That's something that people want to get to. That's their desired outcome. That's why they buy from you. So you need to experience your buyer's journey through emotional arcs not through funnel arcs it's not it's no longer just about like awareness consideration no no no. it's about um pessimism it's about optimism it's about confidence it's about engagement it's about moving them through how they are experiencing their problem and so when you focus your webinar content on thinking about them and driving them a little bit closer to where they want to go Inevitably, you will end up with a better webinar experience than you would if you are focusing exclusively on, how do I put out my content to my audience? That's focusing on you. You're thinking, should I do slides? Should I have a guest speaker? Uh, Should I, what are the key things I want them to know? No, no, no. You instead need to go backwards. Where does my audience want to get to? And how can I bring them closer to how, where they want to get to through this 30 minute experience? That is the key to driving a great webinar. Okay. And the last piece that I'm going to leave you with is, we see a lot of webinar presenters and hosts fall down thinking that their content is enough to make their webinar an experience. My content is so great that my attendees are going to stick around no matter what. It's just not true. It's not the case. So if you aren't actively inviting participation, you will not have engagement on your webinar. And if you do not have engagement, you are missing the opportunity for your audience to feel connected to your content, which we know is what people need to convert, right? Because we already established that people buy from people based on emotional need. So you absolutely need to be driving engagement. You need to be thinking about how can I make this more exper- more of an experience for my attendees? Maybe it's not about slides. Maybe it's not about a presentation. Maybe it's about an ask me anything. Maybe it's about um, a debate. Maybe it's about creating content with your audience. What are the questions that you have? How can I help guide my content based on your needs? How can I incorporate polls and video and gamification? How can I incorporate gifting? How can I incorporate questions and answers and handouts and call to actions and all of the above? That's what drives the entire webinar experience. Your content is not enough, and it's also not enough to to simply draw them in. So make sure that you're thinking about those engagement and participation features, not only in your presentation, but also in the way you promote and invite your attendees. So those are my big, big tips on how you wanna make sure that your webinar is one that people actually wanna come to and is actually successful for you and your business. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to Growth Decoded to Go. For the latest updates on Growth Decoded and links to the live show, you can sign up to be a part of the Grow team at activecampaign.com slash events slash growth hyphen decoded.